0: Today is July 10th. The Bahamas gained independence today in 1973 ending 325 years of peaceful British rule. This module provides an overview of the key events on the Bahamas' road to independence. The Bahamas was one of the few areas in the region which the Arwak people were not displaced by the more warlike Caribs. When in 1492, Christopher Columbus made his first landing in the New World, in the Bahamas. The people who met him were Arwaks, who, he wrote, have opened their hearts to us. We have become great friends. Columbus is believed to have landed at Watlings Island. But within some 20 years, the Spaniards had enslaved or transported the Arwaks. Some 40,000 were transported to Hispaniola, where they died working in mines. British pirates also used the islands, and in 1629, the islands were given their first constitution as part of the Carolinas, USA. The first British settlers were refugees from religious persecution under Charles I in Sigatu in 1648. The island was renamed Elothura, meaning freedom. The settlers introduced the plantation economy and African slave labor. An early-formed democratic government with a bicameral parliament had an elected lower house developed but was abolished in 1717, when the crown resumed government. Although the other colonial powers did not formally dispute possession, the settlers were at times harassed by the French and Spanish, as well as by pirates. Fortunes fluctuated. The population soared in the late 18th century with the arrival from America of loyalist families and their slaves after the American Revolution. In 1783-84, to 84, the population was 4,058. By 1789, it was more than 11,000, with white settlers forming a significant majority. The abolition of slavery in 1834 caused major economic changes as the islands had been used as a center of slave trading. In 1861-65, the islands enjoyed the prosperity as a depot for ships running the blockade against the Confederate States during the American Civil War. Decline followed, however, compounded by a severe hurricane in 1866. Prosperity returned in the 20th century when the islands became an entrepot for the American bootlegging trade during Prohibition. More conventional industries also developed, supplying sisal, conch shells for cameo brooch making, pineapples, and sponges. The sponge industry reached a peak in 1901 during generally lean years but collapsed in 1939 as a result of fungal diseases. In the early 1950s, the islands again prospered. The success of tourism and later offshore banking produced phenomenal growth. In 1953, the Progressive Liberal Party, the PLP, was founded by to represent black interests in a system till then still dominated by whites. In 1964, a new constitution was set up, a ministerial system of government, and the legislature was reformed to represent majority interests. After the subsequent general election in 1967, the United Bohemian Party, the so-called Bay Street Boys, was forced into opposition for the first time in the Assembly's history. Lyndon Pindling, leader of the PLP, formed a government with the support of the Labor Party. The PLP won the next two general elections outright, and the Pindling led... Bahamas to independence under a new constitution on July 10th 1973. Britain welcomed Bahamian independence when the progressive liberal party won the election on that platform in 1972. The final agreement for independence for the archipelago of 700 islands and about 175,000 people was made in London on December of 1972. Prince Charles was the Queen's representative for Independence Ceremony. Just before midnight on July 9, 1973, he witnessed the final lowering of the Union Jack on the hills overlooking Nassau Harbor and a ceremony replicated on all 22 of the inhabited Bahamian Islands. Lyndon Oscar Pinling became the f- country's first Prime Minister. Sir Milo Broughton Butler became the first Governor General in ni- August of 1973. The Bahamas becoming an independent nation now meant that Britain no longer controlled the affairs of the country. It was now the responsibility of the newly elected prime minister and the locally elected cabinet. Independence also meant that a constitution, symbols, emblems, an army, and passports had to be developed for the country. As an independent nation, the Bahamas assigns ambassadors overseas who represent the country. They sign treaties on behalf of the Bahamas and become members of various international organizations. This is important as it gives the country equal rights on various issues relating to international trade, policies, and treaties. And in 1962, Telstar was launched by NASA from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and was the first privately sponsored spacefaring mission. Two days later, it relayed the world's first transatlantic television signal from Andover Earth Station, Maine, to the Plumer-Bodo Telecom Center in Brittany, France. Developed by Bell Telephone Laboratories for AT&T, Telstar was the world's first active communication satellite and the world's first commercial payload in space. It demonstrated the feasibility of transmitting information via satellite, gained experience in satellite tracking, and studied the effect of Van Allen radiation belts on satellite design. The satellite was spin-stabilized to maintain its desired orientation in space. Power to its onboard equipment was provided by a solar array in conjunction with a battery backup system. Although operational for only for a few months and relaying television signals of a brief duration, Telstar immediately captured the imagination of the world. The first images, those of President John F. Kennedy and singer Yves Montand from France, along with clips of sporting events, images of the American flag waving in the breeze, and a still image of Mount Rushmore were precursors of the global communications that today are mostly taken for granted. Telstar operated in a low Earth orbit and was tracked by ground stations in Maine and France. Each ground station had large microwave antenna mounted on bearings to permit tracking the antenna during the satellite during the approximately half-hour period of each orbit when it was overhead. The signals from Telstar were received and amplified by a low-noise maser, the predecessor of the modern laser. After demonstrating the feasibility of the concept, subsequent communications satellites adopted a much higher orbit at 22,300 miles above the Earth, at which the satellite's speed matched the Earth's rotation and thus appeared fixed in the sky. During the course of its operational lifespan, Telstar 1 facilitated over 400 telephone, telegraph, facsimile, and television transmissions. It operated until November of 1962 when its onboard electronics failed due to the effects of radiation. And finally, many, many remember Howard Hughes in the last years of his life, when his mind had faded and he lived a life of wealthy, paranoid recluse. Earlier in his life, Hughes was a dashing and innovative businessman who had inherited the Hughes Tool Company when he was 19. Thereafter, Hughes became a Hollywood movie producer, aircraft inventor, mining mogul, and casino owner and ladies' man. Howard Hughes was an avid and daring pilot setting a handful of aviation world records, including one for his 1938 flight around the world in just over 91 hours. Hughes, with his flight crew of Harry Conner, Thomas Thurlow, Edward Lund, and Richard Stoddard, made a noteworthy flight. They were assisted by Al Lodwick, vice president of Curtis Wright, who handled the flight operations and clearances, landing permits, and en route fuel provisioning. On July 10, 1938, Hughes and crew departed Floyd Bennett Field, Long Island, New York, and flew around the world in a Lockheed 14 Lodestar monoplane with a primary sponsoring of the New York World's Fair, for which Hughes was an aeronautical advisor. They were guided by the most reassuring set of flying gadgets ever packed into a private airplane, including homing radio compass to keep them on course by taking bearings from ships at sea, a new periscopic drift indicator, a gyropilot which did most of the flying, and a powerful radio transmitter which radio-linked which radio them to towering trylon antenna to the World's Fair in New York. The purpose of the Hughes round-the-world flight was for publicity to bid foreigners to come visit the New York World's Fair. On July 14, 1938, Howard Hughes and his four-man crew returned to New York after circling the globe covering 14,672 miles in three days, 19 hours, 14 minutes and 10 seconds they were treated to a special mayoral reception and ticker tape parade in new york city hughes died in 1976 while a passenger of a flight from los angeles to houston after the flight hughes said in a prepared statement there is one thing about this flight that i would like everyone to know it was no way a stunt it was a carrying out of a careful plan if any credit is due anyone. It is the men who designed and perfected to its remarkable state of efficiency the modern American flying machine and equipment. All we did was operate this equipment in the plane according to the instruction book. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Bahamas Independence at Caribbeanelections dot com Telstar launched at NASA dot gov and Aviator Howard Hughes at Wingnet dot org. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetec.com. dot com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.